The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. All right, 2 Samuel chapter number uh, 7 and verse number 15. Notice this. This is right after David is uh, asked to build the temple for the Lord. Uh, he wants to build him a house, and he, uh, he's been told no by Nathan. Uh, why? Because he was a man of war. And God said, no, I'm going to have your son to do it instead. But he says this, but my mercy shall not depart away from him. God speaking to Nathan about, about David. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee, and thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words... And according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. And what God was just communicating to David, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to establish your kingdom. I'm going to be there for you. And no matter what, this was a, a promise to David that, that his kingdom would be a, a continuing kingdom. And God still has uh, to, uh, to fulfill that even in the millennium and putting uh, Christ on the, uh, on the throne of David. And so it's a pretty amazing thing, especially as you go through First and Second Samuel, as you begin to realize all the ups and downs and the struggles of Israel, of Saul, I mean, Saul royally uh, you know, messed it up, but David did as well. And we ended last week as we, as we uh, thought about First and Second Samuel and overviewing that, the importance of us, God makes promises to us, God uses us, he brings us to himself, but the importance of us dealing with the dark side that is within our hearts. Every one of us has the potential to do exactly what David did, and if we are not careful, we can step into that. And a good question to ask ourselves, is there anything in my life right now that would cause me to four years from now be in the place of David? Is there something that I'm allowing, some impurity? Brother, Brother Josh just prayed a moment ago and prayed for me and I appreciated this. He, he said, I, I pray for pastor's purity. Is there anything in our lives that would cause us four or five years from now to be outside of the will of God to have, to have as we say, fallen into sin, uh, which is, is kind of a misnomer because we don't just fall into sin. We, we walk slowly there, and then it comes out in the open, right? And so that's what happened with David. David had all those issues in his heart ahead of time, and it came out in the moment when Satan put the perfect temptation in front of Bathsheba, and he, quote-unquote, fell into sin and, and dishonored God in a great way. So we need to deal with the dark side within. If we take any, anything away from uh, uh, First and Second Samuel, it's dealing with the sin, be humble before God, and we reminded ourselves of this verse, Isaiah 66 and verse number two, God says, to this man will I look, even to him that is of poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word, trembleth at my word. So he's poor, he's humble, he's bankrupt before God. He realizes he has nothing to offer God. That's the man to whom God gives attention. That man who is bankrupt before him, who's broken before him says, I'm a mess. I know it. I'm not all put together. I'm a mess. I know it. Remember this. David wasn't a teenager when he fell. Right? David was older, and sometimes we think about, oh, it's the young person's problem. No, no. It's not always the young person's problem. Uh, it's an amazing thing as we think about the pornography that is so accessible in this day. It's not a young person's problem only. Uh, Satan gets in the mix, and oftentimes by the age of nine, is getting a hold of the hearts and addicting them and causing them to cope with their pain through their teenage years 
and he has them into their early years of marriage, and he has them into their, their, uh, their 20s and their 30s, and you know what? That doesn't give up unless, uh, by God's grace, that, that chain, that, that cycle is broken. So it's not just a young person's problem. We, uh, we pray for the young people. God protect them, and you ought to, you ought to be praying about uh, for your young, uh, young people. And I know I digress a little bit, but you ought to be praying for your, your children, your grandchildren. This is a wicked world in which we live. Satan wants to get them hooked on something in their young years, in their formative years. So we have to deal with the dark side within. We have to deal with the sin that is in us, the pride that is in us, all those things. But as we move into the book of 2 Kings, and I know this is a continuing for you that weren't with us last week, we're continuing on, and we're going to try to overview uh, Kings and Chronicles tonight. But as we move into Kings, uh, Kings, think about this. The focus of the books of Kings really is on obedience is blessed, rebellion is cursed. Obedience is blessed, rebellion is cursed. A very simple message. And over and over, through um, the stories that God puts in, in place, through the narratives, the historical accounts, God is showing us that he will bless obedience every time and he will curse, he will deal with um, disobedience and rebellion every single time. This is a, a lesson in history and of God's interaction with a nation as well as individuals. Now, Kings is given to us through the lens of, of, of kings, of those who ruled, kind of given to us as a, a, through a kingly lens. It'll be a little bit different than Chronicles is, but it's given to us from the, the focus of their stories. So these are historical accounts of the kings of Israel. After David, uh, so most of David is covered in, in 2 Samuel. David reigned in ten, uh, started reigning in 1010, and we come into kings and we begin dealing with uh, especially dealing with, uh, with Solomon. And then we get to chapter 12 and we see the divided kingdom. The divided kingdom and from there the account splits. So really what's happening in the kings, they're covering several hundred years of Solomon's reign up to the Babylonian uh, exile till uh, Babylon came in and took uh, uh, Israel uh, captive. And then we need to understand this as we go through this, um, in the divided kingdom, it's very important to understand how the Bible uh, refers to the, the two different kingdoms. Uh, the Isra Israel is the northern tribes, uh, the ten tribes that are up north. Uh, Judah is the southern tribes. And so when, you, when you're coming through First uh, and Second Kings and, uh, and you're reading about uh, Israel and Judah, you're saying, well, what, what's going on? How, how do I keep this all straight? Israel's up north. Uh, Judah is down south. Israel's capital is... Samaria, and, uh, and Judah's capital is down at uh, Jerusalem, and so they're, they're divided in that way. So let's break down the sections of the kings, okay? And this is all listed out in your notes um, for your reference later. Really, first, uh, first Kings chapter 1 through 11 uh, deals with the rise and the fall of Solomon. It was a quick rise and fall. Um, it's sad. David challenges him uh, at the end of his life, stay faithful Solomon, stay faithful. Uh, Solomon writes to his own son, uh, Rehoboam, and he encourages him to do the right thing. But David gives a, a challenge to Solomon, do the right thing, stay faithful. Solomon rises to greatness. Do you remember when he would not even ask for riches? What did he ask for when God came to him and said, hey, I'm going to give you anything you ask for? What did he ask for? Wisdom. Isn't that interesting? If you could get anything from God tonight, what would you ask for? Wisdom. 
And sometimes, sometimes our answer that we know is right isn't really what, what we'd ask all the time, you know? I, I've been in places where I, God, if you could just give me anything, give me this. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Solomon was a man whose heart was towards God. That's amazing. And because God, because he asked for wisdom, God says, I'm going to bless you also with riches. He knew he would have the knowledge to know how to deal with riches. But then he fails. Uh, he steps into idolatry, starts marrying these wives that take his heart away from God. He begins to build them temples uh, off and away. He'd build them palaces and temples off and away. You can't hide your idolatry and get away with it. It's going to creep into the center of your life, right? And so he, he does that. Uh, his wealth starts to get a hold of him. Uh, he starts to be uh, lifted up in pride as people come to visit him and see, uh, seek his wisdom. Uh, his wives get a hold of his heart. He accumulates workers. He's breaking law, the law of God all over the place. And even when he is challenged about this, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, reverse course. So we come to chapter number 12. Israel splits, uh, splits into two kingdoms because of the foolishness. Think about that. God had given Solomon so much wisdom and he sinned against that wisdom and acted very foolishly, uh, sinning against the knowledge of, of God that he had. You remember what we said, uh, 2 Samuel was the, the chapter of bankruptcy for David when he um, falls into sin. For, um, 1 Kings chapter 11 is the chapter of bankruptcy, spiritual bankruptcy for Solomon. And after this, we have the divided kingdom. Israel splits. Rehoboam takes the southern two tribes and Jeroboam, keep that in order, takes the northern ten tribes, and so now we have this split. There's an increase in taxes, especially under Rehoboam. Remember, he goes to the people and says, hey, he, he gives a pool. What should I do? Should I, should I go lighter on you, or should I be heavier on you? Well, they obviously said, um, be lighter. He goes to his friends, his peers, and says, should I be heavier on them, or should I be lighter on them? And they say, just Give it to them for all, you know, for all their worth and you know, uh, tax the daylights out of them. And so he follows the advice of his peers, which was awful advice, which, by the way, uh, we ought to learn from, his, uh, learn from his example. Following the wisdom of peers is not wise. Following the advice of peers is not wise. We should, we should look, for, uh, look ahead to those, the older generation. We should always be seeking the counsel of those who have gone ahead of us. Now, Remember, Proverbs brings out, not every older person is wise. Uh, gray head is glory if it be found in the way of righteousness. So not every, just because they have some experience doesn't mean it's always wise. Find someone that is older and godly and get wisdom from them. So there's an increase in taxes, obviously rebellion, political division. There's civil war that nearly breaks out. The northern kingdom, uh, they have uh, rival worship that is being, uh, being set up. Uh, no more travel down into Jerusalem. There's a, there's a golden calf. There's idolatry that's set up up there under the guise of, of right religion. Uh, neither of the kingdoms were strong. Neither of them. Why? Because they're divided. They're not following after God. They're divided. They're not following after God. And we can learn a lesson from this. What's going on in Israel, remember how God dealt with Israel in the Old Testament is how God deals with us as an individual in the New Testament. So you think about, you think about Israel as a whole. They're divided in their heart. They're at odds with one another. They're a double-minded nation, right? They're against, they're not following after God. They're double-minded about their idolatry. And what happens? They're divided in their heart. 
they're divided as a nation, and now they're, they're being reduced into weakness, and a divided heart in my life and in your life will bring weakness into us spiritually. What does the Bible say? A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all his ways. So I can't have one foot in the world and one foot uh, with God. I, I can't do that. I'll be double-minded. I will be weak. I will not have any spiritual fervor. We will not have the fervor to witness. We'll not have the fervor to lead. I can't be dabbling in sin, allowing that pet sin like we talked about on, on Sunday night, that, that snake that was held in that man's hand, and he raised it, that, that python from, a, from a, a snake in his hand to eight foot long, and then it kills him. Can you, th- can you imagine a mom standing up and telling the news, I don't think my son, my dead son, my asphyxiated son, would want the snake to be put to death after this. Like, what in the world? Like, but anyway, so I digress. Um, but nonetheless, we, we do this. We can't have one foot in the world. We can't, you know, coddle our pet sin uh, throughout the week and, and try to work out on Sunday. It just doesn't work. And so we, we, must, we must be mindful about this. A divided heart will bring weakness into our soul. So that's chapters 12 through 16 of 1 Kings. Chapters 17 uh, of 1 Kings through chapter 8 of 2 Kings, God brings, uh, there's more kings, and God brings along prophets. What does God do with it when he's trying to restore his people back to himself? He brings along messengers to say, hey, uh, you're not doing the right thing. You need to obey. And so uh, did they obey? Did they worship? Did they remain faithful to the covenant that God had made with them? No. No. In fact, uh, think about this. Of the different kings in the northern and southern kingdom, think about the northern kingdom, there were zero good kings in the northern kingdom, zero kings that were just totally after God, and uh, 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 there were about 20 bad kings. So you think about that. They, they, they went year after year after year with godless or at least mediocre uh, leadership in their country. You equate that right now, God still expects his people to do the right thing. He still expects his people to do the right thing. So the northern kingdom was a mess. Uh, There were in the southern kingdom about eight good kings, 20 uh, 20 bad kings. So in, in all, there were uh, 40 kings, but 32 bad and eight good. What are the odds? I mean, that's, that's not very many that are saying we're going to point our heart uh, toward God. Now, in the midst of all this, God brings in prophets. And let's just underscore the role of the prophet wasn't, wasn't, a, um, wasn't a person who was uh, like a fortune teller or you know, just a predictor. A prophet received from God the message from God, like a Nathan. He received from God, and he, he told it forth to the people. Sometimes that prophet, um, that prophet was having the privilege to tell of things that were going to happen in the future. But his ultimate job was take the message from God, deliver it to the people. Over and over, if you're in the, if you're in the 90-day challenge, I am, I am drastically still trying to catch up. If you're behind I'm with you. We'll get there. Um, we have till the end of, end of uh, August here. It's coming fast. But if you're going through, you're probably somewhere in the prophets, maybe a little bit beyond the prophets. And over and over, thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And so they were, 
they were a good prophet if they would go and, and, and say what God said. So they were, they were messengers. They spoke God's truth and God's message. They called out idolatry. They called out injustice. By the way, we think, we think that God has changed, that he is not aware of the injustice in our nation. You think that he's unaware of the lies and the deceit? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, he was aware of it in that day and still calls preachers to on, comment on it today. And though many times, you know, there's, there's many times preachers feel like, well, I can't comment on political things. Do you know what the prophets did most of all? Tell me. They commented on a whole lot of political things. And you know what? Some of them landed in prison over it. Um, why? Because it's a part of our, our, our living. It's a part of where we live. And we do live in an exceptionally evil and wicked, uh, wicked day. This is nothing, nothing new. So Elijah and Elisha were prophets to the northern kingdom. Uh, God called them there, and uh, they, they, they ministered there. Now, chapters 9 through 17 of 2 Kings, we find the northern kingdom's demise. One king, uh, bad king after another, Jehu. Now, you think about Jehu. God did use Jehu. Uh, his heart was not perfect towards the Lord. Uh, towards the Lord. Uh, but God did use him uh, to stir up th- uh, some things. And uh, uh, sometimes God will use a, a wild man, a man that goes against the, the, the status quo, a man that stirs things up to, um, to perform his will. And I think we've even see, uh, seen some of that in our nation's history. Um, but you have Ahab. <laughs> what a wicked, wicked individual. Uh, a whiny individual when he didn't get his way. And you have political assassinations that go on during this time. It is it's such a corrupt time in the northern kingdom's uh, history. Uh, finally, the Assyrians uh, swoop in. They take over. The northern tribes go into exile. And chapter 17 of 2 Kings really records for us why that happened. Why did the northern kingdom fall? And ultimately, it was because of this. Their idolatry and their unfaithfulness to God. Why will America, will America eventually meet its demise? Because of idolatry and its unfaithfulness to God. We are in great need of a revival. And this has happened over and over with nations in the past. We're going to be no different. Unless we have a great awakening, we're in, we're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble. And I don't say that as a, uh, as, as a way to scare us. I think we all realize that, but we, we desperately need to be personally walking in revival and praying for it in our nation and witnessing uh, for our time is short. So sin always brings bondage. Is not sin bringing us into bondage? Are not people walking about in our nation so worried about what everyone thinks? And, and are not people even thinking, well, if I, if I declare that I'm an actual male or a female, boy, that's not, you know, that's offensive anymore. And, you know, who knows what people are going to think about that? And, and just this bondage that comes over, over us. And we are in bondage to our sin in our country. It's an amazing thing. But sin always brings bondage in a nation or sin brings bondage in a life. Chapters 18 through 25 of 2 Kings deal with the southern kingdom's demise and their fall into Babylonian exile or bondage. So we have guys, good guys like Hezekiah, right? 
Hezekiah had a heart towards the Lord. He veered off. He got prideful. He showed, uh, he showed uh, his wealth and the riches of his kingdom, and God dealt with him about that, but gave him some more. Uh, he uh, had um, blessed him with some more time and just uh, the blessing of God upon his life, but Hezekiah messed up in his own life. We have Manasseh, who is the worst by far. Manasseh got into child sacrifice, um, which is no different than what abortion is in our country. We like to sugarcoat it and call it abortion, but it is no different than child sacrifice. They offer the children to Molech, we offer it to convenience, and we don't want a child right now. And I know there's some situations where there's maybe been a, a, a rape or there's been some sort of very difficult thing, but you know God knows all that? God knows all that? And God can use a, uh, use a child's life. It is never, two wrongs do not make a right. And uh, no child is an accident in the, in the hands of, of Almighty God. And by the way, I always say along with uh, stating this, God forgives. God forgives, but we have to acknowledge the sin. And uh, we're in a point in our nation, last night, last night, down in, it was at Monroe, Ohio, the city council got together, I'm, I'm, it's the other city down there, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, skipping on the name, maybe it was Monroe, but it started with an M, down, down about 20 minutes, half hour from here. The city council got together to make it, an, uh, to make it a, a sanctuary for the unborn. Do you know what happened at that meeting? There were some Christians that showed up to support that. And you know what? Who else showed up? The atheists. They, they held signs such as, get your theocracy off of our democracy, atheist.org. So lest we think that we're not in a spiritual battle about this issue, it's the same back in Israel's day when, when Manasseh was standing up and saying, you know, it's all right to give your children to Molech. And, uh, and by the way, it's, it's not like it's less, less painful. These children go through extreme pain uh, as they're being aborted. And so it's, it's just an awful thing that was going on in Manasseh's day and in our day. Um, and ultimately, it's just a signal of our just great walking away from God. Josiah brings a national revival, restores the, the Passover, cleans out the temple of God. Um, boy, he cleans it out. Um, my dad named the brother that's older than me, Shaphan, who was the scribe that, um, that brought the scroll to, um, to King Josiah, and that, that's kind of a, a cool thing. He's, he's a lesser known, but he was a part of that whole clean out. And what an amazing revival that was going on in that on day. God brought Isaiah and Jeremiah uh, into the mix there. And when I, uh, Jeremiah was just reading through Jeremiah, and when he was preaching, uh, boy, he stirred things up, and they were like, we're going we're gonna to kill you. And he says, listen, if you kill me, innocent blood's going to be on your hands. I'm preaching to you the message of God. So the last two chapters, chapter 24 and 25, reveal Babylon's invasion and the captivity. And the, the, the question that really is left, the, the, the uh, question that the story ends with is this. Is God done with Israel? Is it all over? Is God done with Israel? Maybe he feels just like some of us feel tonight, right? I just want to cry. Right? Maybe that's the type of week, uh, week you've had. So I cry. Uh, anyway, is God done with Israel? Um, and no. 
Uh, God wasn't. He was going to still work with them and continue to work with them and bring them along. And God's promises would continue to be unfaithful. And God's going to pick up with Israel. Uh, the tribulation after the church is raptured out, God's going to pick up and he's going to deal with Israel. He's, gonna, he's going to judge them, but then he's going to come and he's going to rescue them as he comes and we, and we behind him on, those, on, the, you know, on the white horses, we behind him as he brings uh, complete victory to the battle of Armageddon and sets up the earthly, the millennial rule for 1,000 years. God's, God's still a faithful God and he's not forgotten his promises. So really the final few verses... Um, zoom 40 years forward into the exile and they deal with with that and uh deal with some of the kings there and uh and and so on but that's 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 first and second kings through a kingly lens all that god was doing those two on two kingdoms uh together so as we bring that to a close really what i want to what I give us as a lesson tonight is a nation's heart towards God often determines its destiny. A nation's heart towards God determines its destiny. And that's no different for us today. More than we need a certain person to be sitting in the White House or in the halls of Congress, we need a revival. We need a heart turned back to God. And we need to, we need to share that message. I encourage you in this way. We were in Value City Furniture and... Um, we have a piece of furniture that's locked up in, uh, in Vietnam because they've shut down. So we were waiting on this chair since May. And so it's locked up in, you know, that's where they get their furniture. And we were talking to the, the manager there, and, and we said something, and I said, boy, this, these are crazy times. She says, oh, that's for sure. And, you know, and she started talking about everything. And I said, what we need is, is to turn back to Jesus. She says, you got that right. And we had a little church right there in, in the in, in the right with her on the other side of the counter. But you know what? You can so fastly turn the conversation right now. These are crazy times. We need to get our eyes on Jesus. You need to find people that need him, right? Or people that are going to be encouraged by that. Yesterday, I took uh, Jacob, who's been visiting with us. Um, he's one of the fathers of our, uh, some of the kids that come on on Wednesday night, we went out and did some door knocking here in, in town together. He's from Africa, and so we, we got, uh, got some lunch and went out door knocking together. And the very last house, we got to uh, talk to a guy, and we were talking along, and he, he wasn't totally interested, but we got to the point of just talking about heaven. We talked about crazy times, and when we started talking about heaven, everything kind of changed. Now, I don't know whether he knows Christ for, for certain. We got to talk to him about that. But you know what? People need that message. And a nation... Uh, who has its eyes on Jesus, it's going to be a successful nation. We need to help people get back there. And that starts with the clerk at the grocery store. That starts everywhere uh, that we go. And uh, not just out and door knocking, everywhere we go, we need to be that salt and light. And we need to declare that God is the moral authority. We've lost that sense in our, in, our, in our country today. We've lost that sense. Well, your truth, my truth, right? Your truth, my truth? No. God's truth. God's truth indeed. And so that's so very important. I have a, a shorter amount on Chronicles, and I think I'm going to take the last, uh, last about 10 minutes and, and deal with that tonight. So the book of Chronicles, uh, as we overview 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles really mirrors 2 Samuel and as well 1 Kings. Now, uh, as you have uh, dive into it, you find a lot of genealogies. 
genealogy, and this person begat this person, this person begat. You know, all that's there for a reason. And, and God didn't make any mistakes. So it's written by a historian after the Babylonian uh, exile or captivity. And the, the Jews are returning, and uh, they're learning from history as they return uh, to being a nation. So what God's trying to get across there is, all right, listen up. Don't repeat the, the mistakes of the past. Don't repeat the mistakes of the past. By the way, as we think about that, one of my hearts for having Brother David Barton come through this area, uh, like I've been mentioning, uh, September the 26th in that Sunday evening service, one of the reasons is we need to know our history. We need to understand that. We need to be able to communicate that. I think you'll be uh, energized by that. So uh, as we think about that, they were getting a history lesson from God, and it's given through a priestly lens. It's given from a a shepherdly lens. Uh, God's shepherding presence is, is, is shown throughout this book, a personal relationship towards Israel. I don't want you to mess up again. Do the right thing. Here are stories to remind you to do the right thing. First uh, Chronicles 29, verse 17. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, have I willingly offered all things, all, all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. Turn, turn towards God. That is his heart. Turn towards God. That's the decision he wants us to make. So as we think about Second Chronicles, it mirrors Second Kings. It covers Solomon's reign, uh, mostly the kings of the southern kingdom, uh, David's descendants, remember? And so it really is, is, is covering the fact that God is being faithful to David. He's not left off his promise to David. He's not left that off. Even though they've made huge mistakes, God is calling attention to the fact that I am going to be faithful and I am going to send an eternal king and his name's gonna be Jesus. And he's gonna sit on that throne as I've promised. And so again, 2 Chronicles really was designed to call the returning Jews to learn the lessons of history and how that God dealt with his people. So he's, he's still trying to cultivate that. So if we can encapsulate the focus of Chronicles, it's this, history's spiritual significance for me today. History has a spiritual significance for me today. And so we should be students of history. We should learn of that. And uh, much of the Bible is history. Why did God give us the Old Testament? Corinthians tells us, remember? For and samples, sample, illustration. And why is it important to read the Old Testament and not pass over it? Because it's, there's history there that we need to learn. And uh, so that's so very important. So as Samuel and Kings details the sin of leadership uh, of the various kings, Chronicles gives another perspective on the same history, focusing in on the ideas of worship, obedience, the temple, the priesthood, God's promises. Why? Uh, because these books were written later on. They're for the returning Jews to meditate upon the spiritual significance of, of what had happened. Their history, learn those lessons. So as they return, they're not going to have a king. It's going to be kingless. And God still has, has spiritual leaders in place. It's a priest to give guidance, um, to direct them. And uh, even in our day, God still puts spiritual leaders to give direction, direction out of bondage, direction out of sin. And uh, that's why it's important, yes, for spiritual leaders to walk in holiness. It's important for us all to walk in holiness. And uh, 
I think I mentioned on, on Sunday night, but over the past week, there's been, a, there's, there's been several different incidents that have come out kind of in our country that, you know, of, of spiritual leaders, we say fall, right? Uh, I encourage you, pray for spiritual leaders, pray for me. I appreciate, like I mentioned, I appreciate that prayer by Brother Josh. Pray that every single day. Pray for the purity of, of your pastor. Uh, pray for the marriage relationship. Pray for, um, pray for the family. But that, that stuff doesn't just happen overnight. And God, God is just reminding them, listen, this happened. Don't repeat these same mistakes. Uh, don't repeat them um, because uh, we, need, we need the leadership uh, to go in the right direction. We need it to follow after God. And uh, if we think back upon the kings uh, in these two books, if we think back on them, we can, we can understand this. Things can be politically a mess, but spiritually they don't have to be. We can walk with God. We can walk with God no matter what's going on in our country. Your walk with God is unaffected by who sits in the White House. Should be. Your walk with God is, should be unaffected by all the mandates, all the things that's pressuring down upon us. Should be. Who knows how things are going to go? Who knows how we talk about the Great Area Bible Project? Who knows how it's going to go? Who knows if we'll be able to go into the island at that time? But regardless, we need to walk with God, regardless of what happens. Jesus is the only perfect king. If we've learned anything through this, there are no perfect human kings. He's the only eternal king. Every one of the kings came to an end. Did you notice there in your handout, uh, that you have those resources in the back, did you notice the list of the, the kings? One of those kings only was like in six months, Right? There's no eternal king except Jesus. God keeps his promises. He will keep his promise to Israel. He will keep his promise to David. And obedience and worship aligns my life with God's best blessings. Obedience. Why did God tell us? Why did Jesus say, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? Why? When we continue, when we abide, we practice his word. When we observe all things whatsoever he's commanded us, then we're his disciples. We find blessing in that pathway. Disobedience and rebellion leads to self-destruction. The way of the transgressor is hard every single time. God always gets his message to his people through his prophets, through his preachers, and uh, it's something that we ought to pray about, not just for our lives. Lord, would you want me to be that? I surrender to that, but also we need to be praying. You saw this whole row. Did you, didn't that just bless your heart tonight? Right? Do you know that there were kids that went to, out to Oklahoma and it, weren't you blessed by the, the three testimonies on Sunday night? Wasn't that a blessing? I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what they would say. But every one of them said something very meaningful. Every one of them. And I talked to another one tonight. Very meaningful. God, God's working their heart. We ought to pray that God bring, um, brings out of this group, out of the young kids, the adventure kids, out of the teen group, uh, brings preachers out of that group that will be uh, Samuel's, and Jeremiah's and Isaiah's to this generation. Oh, boy, do we ever need it. God is at work in the affairs uh, of the, uh, the political affairs, the global affairs of our world. God's not lost track. If China overruns us, God's not lost track. He's not. And so even when things are politically bad, things can be spiritually good. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. If there's a burden that is on my heart, more than ever, it's keep our eyes on the Lord. 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Every single day we have to get, uh, get there. And I'm not always there. There are some days I need to be reminded of that. Get your eyes off the problems. Get your eyes off the people. Get your eyes off the disappointments. Look to the Lord, right? Uh, just because things are a mess around us does not mean that we have to be a mess spiritually with the Lord. So uh, let's take the lessons of this, on these books and, uh, and run with them. And I hope some of those resources there will be a help to you as you read through and try to put it you know, in some categories and so forth. So keep that on hand, and uh, the Lord bless you in that. Let's pray. As we bow tonight, just would you, would you again just submit yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, help me not to be, help my spiritual life not to run uh, in proportion to the political chaos or the chaos that's going on in my world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our Father, our Abba Father, our Daddy. Thank you for the relationship that you have made available to us through Jesus Christ. Uh, thank you for uh, loving us first. And thank you for the fact that no matter what goes on in this world that legitimately hates you, that we as your people can follow you, keep our eyes on you, and walk in purity, holiness, and walk in a way that is very effective and a powerful light in this world. Help us, Lord, uh, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. Help us to acknowledge any sin that has crept in, and uh, Lord, to confess it to you uh, honestly, just deal with it. God, I pray that you would help us to be a pure people for your sake and for your name. Help us learn from the history that you've given us even tonight. May we not be divided in our hearts. May we be stable uh, because we are uh, whole towards you, that our minds are not divided in any way. So help us tonight. I pray for our teenagers and uh, young children. We just ask that you would help them to follow after you with all their hearts and thank you for what you're doing in their lives. And we pray that you would raise up preachers and uh, preachers' wives out of, out of this group. We pray that you would raise up missionaries. Lord, would you cause the Grace Baptist Church, Lord, would you en enable us in the years ahead to be a, um, a missionary-sending uh, church family. So do that, Lord, we pray. We also pray for uh, church planning efforts, Lord, as we would bring uh, light into dark areas in our region. Lord, give us grace. Give us opportunity to be able to do that. Uh, help us, Lord, as we help those that are church planning. Be with Brother Pete, even as he's traveling back home tonight. I pray that you'd be with him and uh, empower him and enable him for uh, preaching tomorrow night to his people. And Lord, we just ask for your blessing on us as we go. Give us safety. May we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.